Some say Lambeau Field wasn't even created by man. It was naturally formed. I will say it may be hard to be a Falcons fan, but it's really easy to root against them. This is why people need to tune into your show. That is breaking news to me. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I don't even know what episode we're on anymore. All I know is that I am joined by my co-host, Justin Wright. Hello, everyone. How's it going, Justin? Um, It's going all right. We were supposed to have our first divisional volleyball game today for the school I teach at. It got canceled. The other team had a COVID outbreak and had to forfeit. Yikes. Yikes. Well, welcome to sports in 2020, I guess. Yeah. No kidding. And also joining me tonight alongside Justin is a guest we've had on before, our good buddy, Daniel Friedman. Daniel, how's it going? You know, it's it's chugging on along. As with everything else, sports are still weird, so. Yeah. Well, if you guys will remember, we had Daniel on quite a while ago. He talked to us, uh, talked our ear off about hockey. That's why we had him on. We're not going to be talking about hockey tonight. It's going to be a pretty football-heavy episode, but uh, I know he is uh, ready to talk some football. Well, you know, if my if my guesstimation of football was as wrong as my guesstimation is ho- of hockey was, it's going to be a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know where you guys want to start with football. Kind of another wild week in the NFL. Justin, why don't you uh, lead us off? Well, I think just to start with, I kind of want to talk about a couple of things I saw um, this weekend. Obviously, the last game I watched, which I think I might be the only one that cared about it, was the Buccaneers-Giants game. <laughs> um, and boy, <laughs> I texted I, – Jared, I texted you last night. I said that was a clincher. Yeah, it was you it was know. a little close. Funny um, enough that even post Eli and post Patriots, the Giants are still giving Tom Brady a run for his money. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> um, yeah, that was boy, that was a bad game. We played horribly. We were able to get it together. The interceptions, our our defense was able to do that. Get a couple of interceptions. Thank you, Daniel. Mr. Danny Dimes for handing that ball back to us a couple times, but dang, <laughs> we looked bad out there. Um, the refs also may have been on our side just a little bit. <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, you'll, um, you'll never uh, you'll never argue that when it's for you. I feel I and I just don't want people to be like, oh, the, the, the only one because of the refs. Because I know those people. I'm those people. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least you recognize it when it works in your team's favor. Yeah, that should have been an, a much easier game for us, and it was sad to see how close it was. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also just have a tough time with the Giants. Like Last time we played, we lost by a field goal in Daniel Dimes' first game. So, like, I kind of went into that expecting for something silly to happen anyway. That was a uh, sorry to cut you off. That was so proper how you called him Daniel Dimes. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> no, it was a it was a again, I only watched the highlights after the fact, but it was it was a close game. Probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have been that close on paper given the two teams Ooh, not at all. <laughs> playing, but uh still, a win's a win. You'll take them however you can get them. And speaking of wins and uh crazy ways of getting them, Daniel, how about your Broncos? Man, I don't like it, man. Like, I'm glad we won the game, and this is, I think, our third in a row. So it's it's good that we're actually stringing together some wins um, and that Drew Lott came back. And for elite, you know, like, uh, like you guys have said in the past, like a lot of people have said in the past, the only quarter in football that matters is the fourth quarter. And our guys came to play in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, boy, you know, the – Oh, it's been, it, that was, that was a bit of a clencher a little bit. Well, it actually wasn't a clencher until the Broncos decided to actually show up. And that fourth quarter was definitely, definitely a bit of a bit more excitement than I was prepared for as a Broncos fan. Well, yep. welcome uh, to the club. We Seahawks yeah. fans go through that every week. It seems like, except this week, finally we win a game uh, and have it decided kind of, early in the fourth quarter even then though you know once we kind of had it out of hand we let the 49ers come back and 
score a couple uh, two easy touchdowns, but yeah. it was nice to not be on the edge of my seat until the last second for once. Uh, it was nice that the team bound or rebounded after uh, the tough loss to Arizona needed to get that divisional win over the 49ers. Um, speaking of the 49ers, some more They're in a lot right now, Yeah, more rough news for them. George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo both out for a significant amount of time now with injuries. Yeah. I saw the kettle injury. I didn't see the Jimmy G. That's, yeah. He's got uh, a, he's got a high ankle sprain. So he's out for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. And those high, an- those high ankle sprains, especially for the quarterback. That's, it's a yeah. while. Yeah, so they're going to have to roll with Nick Mullins for a while, who he didn't look terrible. No, know. he played reasonably well. And, you know, it's interesting, and I'll have this question at some point later in the evening. But, you know, like the Rams are also kind of struggling a little bit. They got they got kind of whooped by the Dolphins to an extent. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, so that division's definitely – I feel like it's becoming a bit more top-heavy. Uh, or a bit more narrow as to who's going to win between the Hawks and the Cardinals. But yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's a tough division, pr- possibly the toughest division in football to win. So it's good, good for the Hawks for getting it done. Yeah. It was a big week for us with the Rams getting upset by the dolphins like that. Um, and with the Cardinals not playing, um, due to their bye week. So we were the only NFC West team that got a win. That's going to go a long ways, I think, down the road in uh, helping us hopefully win the division. But yeah, that's, I don't know, that's kind of how I'm feeling about the Seahawks right now. Six and one, feeling pretty good. Got to get ready for Buffalo now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So um, I guess now that we've all kind of touched on our teams. In terms of big NFL news, the trade deadline was on Tuesday, the 3rd. It was relatively unexciting. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot that happened. Um, you know, The big thing that I saw was Quan Alexander got traded from the Niners to the Saints. Um, I got to keep tabs on him because he's a former Buccaneer, which I don't like because that means he's going to be playing against us on Sunday. I like Quan Alexander, um, but anyway. And then, oh, what's his name? The um, the cornerback from from the Chargers that they traded. That was also oh, uh, King. King. Yeah, right? yeah. Which what what are the Chargers doing? Where they think trading their one of their best pieces of defense is a good idea? Yeah. I mean, they, you know how when this point in the season comes in baseball, teams either become a buyer or a seller. And the buyers are usually the teams who feel like they have a shot and the sellers are the teams that just are kind of packing it up and looking ahead to next year. Maybe that's what the Chargers are doing. So they want to they wanna blow up one of the best pieces of defense? I don't know. For, for a six-round pick. That's the thing that really gets me. Yeah, they didn't get much for him. I don't know. I really don't know. You know, the Chargers feel like a team that even though they're what they've won two games this year, they feel like they could have easily won six. They've been that close in all of them. Uh, Yeah. They've, they've, they've lost with leads in the past four games. Yeah. You know, and so they want to make that easier to lose by apparently getting rid of their secondary. uh, Apparently. I don't know. I don't know. And then again, you just, yeah, I, I really don't have an answer to that. I'm I just I didn't know Bill O'Brien bounced back so quickly and landed with the Chargers. <sighs> Yikes. Um I did see a couple other kind of semi significant things. I think the in terms of actual trade, uh Avery Williamson from the Jets to the Steelers. Um Oh, I only, I only really saw that because of the picture he posted on Instagram of him like sticking his thumb out for a taxi. Yeah, yeah that's if, right. If, I saw that. If, life, if that's not a life comes at your fast moment, I really don't know what it is. Going from an 0 and 7 to an 8 and 0 te- or, a, or 0 and 8 to 7 and 0 team uh, overnight, I'm sure he is a happy camper right Dude, now. Dude, no doubt. I don't think anyone that, is happier probably than that man from going. Know, the, 
from the disaster that is the Jets to all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender in this, you know, blink of an eye, he's mm. got to be just thrilled. Also, I'm not sure. I'm a little behind on the podcast right now. I don't know if you guys talked about this, but the Baltimore Ravens trading for Yannick Ngakwe from the Vikings. Um, we did not talk about that. No, that was kind of, I remember seeing that. That was about a week ago. You know, that to me really suggests more so than they had already been, which I didn't know how possible was. It really suggests to me that the Ravens are kind of going all in a little bit, or at least, you know, making really big inroads to try to get a championship um, mm-hmm. with the kind of current core, the current guys that they have. They have a very talented team. Yeah, just adding a guy like Ngakwe to that is, is you know, significant. Well, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Justin. No, no, you go ahead, Jared. Oh, well, I was just going to say that I think it also says a lot about Minnesota, who just got Ngakwe earlier this year from Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They seem to be in rebuild mode as well. <laughs> Talk about a team that's really kind of disappointed as far as this season goes. Talk, you know, they were a playoff team last year, and, you know, I mean, they did just upset the Packers on Sunday, but they have really not had a season to write home about. Now they're what two and five after the Packers. I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an underwhelming performance thus far in the season. Yeah. And then the other one, a guy who was picked up by a team this year and then not long after traded from that team was Everson Griffin with Dallas, who is now right. in Detroit. That's right. Poor man. Yeah. Just keeps getting demoted. Right. Out of the frying pan. Yeah, I will say yeah. I saw his uh, tweet and he seemed pretty excited to go to Detroit. Well, yeah, I mean, it, Detroit is kind of a funk. They're in a really funky place where they're not stuck in limbo hell, like where the kind of where the Broncos are at to an extent where they're not quite bad enough to consistently get super high draft picks, which the last few years, I suppose they kind of have been, but but they're also obviously not good enough to consistently make playoffs or make noise. Uh, but I do think they're a little bit of a sleeper team. Um, I think that the Lions, you know, Stafford's still pretty damn good. And, and you know, they're kind of building with young guys. They're, you know, they've, they Griffin has some to be excited about, I'd say. Yeah, I think he's probably just most excited to get out of Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't no, Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so I I don't know that that Detroit though is a sleeper right now. I think they're until they blow up their coaching staff, I think they're going to be stuck That's in a true in a middle of the road rut. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I kind of forgot Matt Patricia was still. Yeah, the beard has doing Matt got Patricia things. Mo- the continuing saga of most Belichick disciples not really doing very much. Yeah. So I don't know about you guys. That's kind of all the big trades that uh, I know about that went down. Like Justin yeah. said, it was a pretty lackluster trade deadline in 2020, but Justin, I do need to ask you semi trade ish. What's your opinion on uh, the bucks fresh new face in the wide receiver core? um see last week's podcast yeah true we did delve into that last week very, very well he uh just got activated off the uh suspended list on yep. tuesday so he'll be ready to go against, against the, saints. the saints yeah which as much as i hate to say it might be something we need could yeah. put you over the top that's going to be a big game in deciding that division it is it is we lost our first one against him we really need to win the second one yeah, that's I'm not. Uh, I'm not worried about the Falcons and the Panthers. Um, they're floundering in their melancholy. Um, but the Saints are, as they always are, a legitimate contender. <laughs> and we've already lost one to them. We can't lose a second. Yeah, no, I know how you feel. That's how it's going to be when uh, Seattle plays Arizona again. I think with that, well, let's uh, let's talk upset and upsetting games. Yeah. Um, who wants to go first in which category? Well, I think my upset game will probably be fairly similar to your guys's, but my upset game is the Minnesota Green Bay game. Yeah, that one was, you know, I 
I actually which, am going to go with a different one. I'll get to it in a second. But, yeah, that was a close pick for me too. I will say it's it's an upside game because Packers should have been able – from everything I've seen from the Vikings, the Packers should have been able to smoke them. Mm-hmm. But it's also somewhat not a surprise because the Vikings and the Packers always kind of play each other really, really tough. That's yeah. uh, how those division games go a lot of the time. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like like you said, it is a division game. Daniel, what's your upset game of the week? Uh, I have to go with the Bengals-Titans game. Um, mm, that's a good you know, one. The, the Bengals have been, obviously, they've been looking okay with Burrow. Like, Burrow, I think, is the real deal. But, you know, a team like the Bengals, who pretty consistently had been, you know, and, and to their credit, the games that they had been losing, they had been losing somewhat closely against teams that like weren't that much better than them but you know the 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 team the games that they've been losing like they've got blown up by the ravens i guess that's really the only team that they had any business getting blown out by uh all the other games that they lost were all pretty close but yeah i I think just the fact that it like wasn't that close of a game the fact that they you know got out to a 21 to 7 lead in the first half and did, and you know kind of barreled them the hatches to keep it that way and you know beat a team like the titans which just a couple of weeks ago were five and oh and you know in the conversation and arguably still are in the conversation for an afc championship game you know i think the bengals uh you know joe burrow came to play uh he had a heck of a performance you know and i i think that was probably my upset just you know the the fact that the Bengals won was one thing, but the fact that they won relatively comfortably, I'd say, was kind of my net, was kind of my my upset there. I didn't expect them to win and win relatively handily against a Titans team. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. That was going to be my upset game too. Um, you know, the Bengals' only other win this season came against Jacksonville, which. You know, it's not necessarily some. I guess they have the tie against Philadelphia, but right. You well. know, this was a statement win for Joe Burrow and the whole team. Now, do I think the Bengals are making a statement as in, hey, we're going to be in the postseason this year? No. Oh Lord, no. But I think it shows that the ta- the talent, or at least enough of a formation of talent, is there in Cincinnati where they can really build around Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and what they have going there. And they can contend. They obviously can't consistently contend right now. But I think this was more of a statement about the Bengals than it was the Titans. Like, I still think the Titans are a really good team. I still think that they have what it takes to win the AFC South. You know, their only real competition is the Colts. And they've been, you know, iffy at best. The Titans have had some pretty, I think, notable wins this year, including that one blowout over Buffalo a few weeks ago. And their only other loss was to the Steelers, whom they gave a really good run to. So I think this was more of a statement about the Bengals than it was the Titans. I think the Titans will turn it around this week. Yeah and uh, get the ship right. But yeah, my upset game was also uh, Cincinnati taking care of Tennessee. That's fair. I actually wanted to go back and talk about the Colts real quick. Cause I feel like that was a team we said at the beginning of the year, Jared, that would just be kind of an under the radar team this year. And they're, they're doing kind of exactly that right now. They're a five and two team. Honestly, you said they're competing with the Titans, but I feel like they're worse than their record shows, if that makes sense. Yeah, I kind of get that same vibe from them too. Like, yes, they're five and two, but like they barely beat the Bengals, who we were just talking about, got beat decently handedly by Cleveland, which Cleveland's pretty good this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll give them credit. Uh, The only two teams they've really blown out were the Jets and the Vikings and then in week one of course they lost to Jacksonville yeah so I don't really know what to make of the Colts right now and it kind of starts and ends with Philip Rivers for me it's just yeah and he he's got 10 touchdowns 
but he's also got six interceptions. So he's still being plagued by that same bug that he was with the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah, just can't seem to shake those picks. And, I mean, he's an old quarterback in a new system, so. Yeah. You take know, that as it may, but. I'm, I'm glad you bring up the Colts, too, because I don't know if our listeners will remember, but back a couple months ago when Justin and I did our NFL season predictions, I teased a, a little stat I had about the Colts that we never got around to talking about. But I, I did say back in that episode, and I, I will still go on record saying it, that I think the Colts are going to upset the Ravens when they play them this week. And I think the time has come where I can finally reveal that stat if you gentlemen are ready. Okay. Go for it. All right. So when the uh, Baltimore Colts back in the day moved cities and became the Indianapolis Colts, still much to the chagrin of uh, Baltimore faithful um, and Ravens fans hate the Colts now because of that. Since they moved to Indianapolis, did you know the Colts have never lost to the Ravens at home? Really? Never lost in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis to the Ravens. They are, I believe, six or seven and oh all time against Baltimore in that building. And I know that's a very arbitrary stat to place a prediction like this on, but I really think the Colts are going to hold true to that and beat the Ravens again this week. It's bold. It's brash. Yeah. Um, you know, we've made this joke before. You can cut to that clip now, two weeks from now when I'm horribly wrong and they get blown out by 40 and you can point and laugh at me. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Colts are kind of an enigma this year, but let's go to upsetting games. Another category where there is a wide variety to pick from. Yeah, no kidding. Um, gosh, I'm I'm so stuck that I want to. I really just kind of want to say the Buccaneers because it was such a bad game to watch. I, it was so rough, but I don't feel like that's fair to just talk about the Buccaneers. <laughs> When has that ever stopped you, though? Um, so instead, I'm going to switch to two other teams that are in division. Or actually, no, never mind. Excuse me. This is upsetting, not upset. Yeah. My backup upset game was the Falcons beating the Panthers. Huh. True. Um, <laughs> the Falcons beating. Sorry, that's an upset. Yeah. Yeah, Falcons. <laughs> what an upsetting franchise. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to start an upset and an upsetting franchise series? I was just going to say that at the end of the season, we'll have to go upset and upsetting for the whole season. Like what was your surprise team and what was your disappointing team? Yeah. Um. Gosh, you know, I feel like it's kind of a cop out. My second cop out, I should say, but I feel like I was fairly upset with the Cowboys Eagles game just because what a, what an event. I did not even watch it. I know how it ended as far as the score goes, but literally that's it. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the highlights because quite frankly, all NFC East games this year don't deserve to be aired on national television. Yeah. And that's, that's essentially what it boils down to. It's just what's going on in that division is just, it's upsetting. I mean, yeah, this is, there's been multiple games now where the Cowboys haven't scored a touchdown. They've, they've gotten field goals when they played the Washington football team. I almost messed up there. They basically went to Washington to kick a field goal and then they came home. Yep. Well, and and that's just such a waste of everybody's time to have a team and not just a team, but a full division of teams that it's just basically like, ugly boring football that yeah. nobody's shy of the like fan bases really care about and even then you know mm-hmm. i i can't imagine cowboys fans or washington football team fans or eagles fans or giants fans are having not that they've ever really been or in the last number of years been a terribly excited fan, fan base anyway but I can't imagine any of those fan bases are having a good time right now. And what I think you saw out of Dallas on Sunday night is now the injuries at quarterback are really catching up. 
Uh, ben DiNucci was not ready no. for that moment. And you can't blame the kid being a rookie. Um, Who played at an FCS school. This was his first jumping from an FCS program because he was uh, James Madison's quarterback. Yes. Yeah. Seventh and- round pick out of James Madison. Jumping from there, like jumping from the from college football to the NFL for almost any quarterback is daunting. But jumping from an FCS program to the NFL and being put under the spotlight like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, honestly, he didn't think he would really have to see much game time this year. And if he did, it would not be under those circumstances. But, yeah, Sunday night football, first NFL start against a division rival, that's rough. And that like, is you know, he, he looking at his stats, 21 for 40 for 180 yards, you know, he didn't get absolutely uh, like creamed. Like he didn't, he didn't put up a Peterman performance, which is good <laughs> on him, but he also didn't put up any sort of performance that is memorable in any regard. It was an extremely, no, it's, it's no Nick Mullen start, right? It was an extremely average below average performance that, obviously yielded very little fruit on the offense you know it, you're you're right jared where it's like this team is it's become very evident very quickly that this team that dak was quartering or uh, backing or uh, carrying that's the word splitting up all my words carrying this team as the quarterback you know that zeke is yeah. not carrying this team that you know, Amari Cooper or CD Lamb. Well, I don't even think it was. Oh, sorry. Just that, you know, the quarterback being missing. Obviously, the quarterback is a very important part of the of any functional football team. But losing this much offense, this consistently, and this, ta- uh, like this, mo- obviously, is definitely telling of of the Cowboys kind of struggles right now. Well, yeah, and that's. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying that that Dak or Zeke or excuse me, Dak was carrying, but the the Cowboys had a good blend between the the pass game and the running offense. And now that they've taken out, I mean, the first and second um string quarterbacks, there is no pass attack that they really have to worry about. So they can just you know, stuff the line basically and Yeah, that's true, actually. And yeah. the other the other point I wanted to make on why this was my upsetting game of the week was this was the Sunday night football game. This was the matchup aired as, you know, the biggest night of football. Like, this is the game clearly everyone wants to watch. Dallas versus Philly in a division where no one's got a winning record. When we had the Ravens and the Steelers battling it out. Yeah. As two Super Bowl hopefuls and two absolute juggernauts this year. Yep. I, I don't know who is not flexing the Raven Steelers game into that spot, but whoever it was, was clearly having their palms greased by Jerry Jones. Yeah. Well, and they, I mean, there was some uh, skepticism or hate a week or so ago when Seattle and Arizona got flexed to Sunday night. And instead of your boys and uh, the Raiders and a lot of people were calling saying that it should have been Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Yeah, I, I I think the game coverage this year has not been super good. Well, and then as always, Thursday night football games are a joke. Yeah. Right. Because what's this next Thursday? It's um, it's Packers 49ers this Thursday, actually. Um, I think Green Bay wins it. I mean, I know they've struggled with the 49ers as of late. But again, kind of like we talked about after the Bucks beat the Packers, you're going to get uh, pissed off Aaron Rodgers again. And the 49ers just beat up as they are. I don't think they're going to be able to handle it. I agree. So, yeah, but let, I agree with you, Justin, the uh, selection for primetime games this year has been questionable at sometimes. So let's, let's also talk about next Monday's game, which will be a real showdown. What's that one again? Thank oh, God it's in prime time. It's I know the it is versus the Jets. Yep. Oh my God! Battle of the bar- bottom of the barrel. You know, <laughs> I I know I've said several times on the show I think the Jets are going to go zero sixteen. I still think they will. But can you imagine? Can you imagine if the Jets beat Belichick? 
And I know this Patriots team is so different than the ones we've seen in the past, but God, that would be the perfect. It wouldn't even be a slice of humble pie. It'd be the whole damn thing for Patriots fans. If the jets beat them on Monday night football. Be hilarious. Oh, I would, I would love it. I don't want the jets to do well at all because Adam Gase doesn't deserve anything good, but no, I will give it that little caveat. If they beat the Patriots. Also, I like, man, the Patriots, I, I just like how poorly they're doing right now. I am kind of basking in it as well. And I, I know everybody's like saying, well, they didn't have any money. Like, well, that's part of running a franchise. You plan for the future. Or you should anyway. They got Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a fairly accomplished quarterback. And he's got a, he's got a, you know, enough game film that you can watch. And there was a reason he got benched when he was in Carolina. It's, I just, I think the Patriots and the Patriots fans should have known what they were in for. And they're, they're kind of. Yeah. What they paid for to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Cause I, you know, there's parts that I, I do like Cam Newton. Um, you know, I. You like Cam Newton because he always loses to the Broncos. That's part of it. He also dresses very <laughs> snappy. <laughs> Um, but the guy is just, you know, he, his career at the professional level just hasn't been very good. I mean, like he obviously led a team to a Super Bowl on a pretty strong record, but it's been very inconsistent. Yeah, it's been inconsistent. And yeah, it's, I, I, I definitely saw some articles and some discussion that was, you know, comparing, and more stating that Brady had a, a much larger impact on the Patriots dynasty than Belichick did. And I'm not saying I agree with that. It's just an interesting kind of interesting idea to throw around, interesting thing to see to an extent. Well, and if we want to, you know, ask the age-old question again who was the reason for the Patriots success Brady or Belichick who contributed more in that relationship based on what we've seen with the two split up right now I'd have to say it was Brady yeah right now that's the way it's trending that's for sure and I think even right now you got to remember Brady is in his what his his 20th year of professional football is that correct 20 or 21. Yeah, because I think he started in 2000, technically. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, But we're getting, and regardless of what, how long he wants to play, we're getting end-of-career Brady on the Buccaneers. We're not getting, you know, I'm not even going to count, like, his first few years as as prime Brady, but we're not getting prime Brady when he was – winning all his rings we're getting end of the end of the career brady mm-hmm. yeah so it's yeah i think that it, at least to me it's pretty clear who uh who was the most or the biggest contributor in the brady belichick relationship but yeah where, where did this all start upsetting games we were talking upsetting. Yep, yep. you guys need to say what your upsetting games are yeah oh. you went with dallas daniel what's uh what's your upsetting game my upsetting game is the broncos game um you know we it was yes upsetting we won but we got 21 of our 31 points in the fourth quarter uh for the rest of the game we looked like crap in any division in any conference whatever but especially in a conference like the afc west where there's obviously the Chiefs and then the Raiders have looked very good. And, you know, the Chargers are the Chargers, but, you know, it's still, there's still no slouch at that kind of bottom half of things. Like they, you know, it's still very easy to get fourth in that division. It's still, I I, I think the Broncos early on in the season, I thought they were a, a true dark horse for a playoff spot. I think they have a lot of, I think they had, and I still think they have a lot of potential, their offense. You know, I do still really like Drew Locke. I really like the, the receiver core, um, Judy, Hamler, uh, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, um, Noah Fant is awesome. I love him. Uh, Philip Lindsay is awesome. You know, Melvin Gordon is, is talented. Um, but, you know, you can't, 
you don't go very far off of winning games off of a choke from the other team and a little and some pixie dust in the fourth quarter yeah like obviously yes the fourth quarter is the most important but you can't if you're trying you know the broncos if they're gonna win you know if every game that they're gonna win is gonna be off of a really awesome fourth quarter performance and a pep talk from drew lock at halftime because they're down 17 to 3 or 14 to 3 or whatever that's not going to get us very far and unfortunately it's also not going to get us a very good draft pick um, you know, just winning enough of the games off of that magic, that's not that's gonna get us stuck in limbo in in that kind of very very bitter spot where we're not good enough to get you know first, second, third, even top five, top ten picks, but we're not good enough to make wild card spots in the playoffs, um, you know, and make or make any real noise. We're just kind of stuck in the middle there. And I, you know, I do think that the injuries played a big part in, in where the Broncos are at this this season, as you guys kind of mentioned in the last in, in previous podcast episodes. But, you know, I, I don't think that we deserve to win that game. You know, we, we have uh, for whatever reason, the Broncos have a really good habit of beating the Chargers off of magic and luck more than anything else like no no have... it's lock it's sorry an lock yeah i like him he's tall <laughs> um but you know we 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 have a pretty interesting track record of beating the chargers off of really miraculous comebacks or you know lucky field goals or whatever it is we've beaten the chargers a lot off of you know a single play or a single drive um you know but there's not a lot of other teams that are chargers level in terms of, you know, skill and, and gameplay and where they're at as a franchise. Like you said earlier, not really sure what the chargers are doing. There's not a lot of other teams that are in that same boat. And so we're not going to get a lot of other wins against teams like that. And we're certainly not going to get very many wins playing the way we played for three and a half quarters against the chargers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm, I am going to pick that as my upsetting game also, but for the complete other side, I'm going to talk about the Chargers. Um, what on earth does it take for my boy Justin Herbert to win a game? <laughs> I, I know not he, trading away your best defensive Justin cornerback. Justin Herbert did not do that. Well, he Trail. didn't stop it either. But... <laughs> Oh, Sorry, I just uh, I gotta be off. Know, just, Justin raises a good point. You know, Justin Herbert should have a little more front office impact here. Yeah, he should be more like Tom Brady. Good lord! Obviously. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop. Anyway, what I was gonna say, I I of course have a personal bias with Justin Herbert. I loved watching him in college. He did great things for my Oregon Ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, I said going into the draft, I root for the kid wherever he ended up. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And I am just so sad for him that he cannot. I mean, he did win a game. They beat, uh, who did they beat a couple weeks ago? I don't even remember now, but he does have a win under his belt, but I've watched the games like the game against the saints on Monday night, a few weeks ago. And they had it, and they lost it in overtime. And games against the Chiefs, where he took them to overtime, and they lost. And then this game, just they had the 24-3 to lead, and they couldn't hold it. They did their best Falcons impression, <laughs> and they lost. And I just, for Chargers fans and for their players, it just has to be so rough because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think the chargers are probably the best bottom of the barrel team there is out there because they've been so close in all of these games and they're, they could easily be, you know, easily be in a wild card spot right now if they just win some of those games, but instead they're two and five or two and six or whatever it is. And it's just gotta be demoralizing for chargers fans and you've all, you know, you've been talked about as the little brother of LA moving in with the Rams and um, not that the Rams had a great week either, but 
Hmm. The Chargers just as a franchise historically just need something, you know, and it just is going to go down, I think, is another missed opportunity of a year for them. Uh, yeah, that's my upsetting game, too, just because I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of Chargers fans and it's it's got to be rough. Yeah, but I mean, the Chargers also have a history of being exceptional, um, having exceptional teams and then blowing just it. blowing it yeah 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 I, again it's just got to be rough all around to be a chargers fan so yeah that's my upsetting game also now uh justin you said you wanted to do a little special thing tonight yeah so just real quick here at the end of the podcast i thought since it's election night in america when we're recording this that is we would talk politics i'm just kidding we're not talking politics God, oh, no thank but God. in we're going to talk something more important. Our MVP candidates at this point in the season. Because we are, yes, our MVP football candidates. Yes, sir. What we're, we're at the halfway point right now. I think, yeah. although the COVID games have really gotten me screwed up. We are uh, halfway through um, eight weeks in, or we're, we're, uh, you know. Most teams are eight weeks through. Yes. Yes. So. I thought we could each go around and say who our MVP candidate is and and why, if if it needs to be said. All right, uh, let's let our guest go first, Daniel. Uh, I I gotta go with Russell Wilson. Um, just I watched, you know, even though they lost, I watched him play against Arizona, uh, and and just how how well he's played for this team. Uh, he's provided so much just raw offense for this team. Um, you know, like you said, Jared, he's kind of, you know, the difference between possibly uh, six and one and, you know, one and six or two and five has kind of been Russell Wilson to an extent. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't, there, I, I, I'm going to go with Russ. Obviously I think there's, I, I could be convinced to think maybe, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has done very kind of similar things for his team where when he's really, you know, when he's slinging, he's really slinging and that team is really leaning on him a lot right now. But, you know, I think right now uh, has to be rushed for me. I, I like your answer, Justin. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're going with Ross Stanton or Jared. Most likely, but I do have an interesting name I want to throw out also. That's not talked about a lot. Um, I think push comes to sub right now. I still have to give it to Russ. I am afraid that his lackluster performance against Arizona may have set him back a little in terms of the MVP conversation. Three uh, pretty not great interceptions that night, although he still did do a lot, you know, outside of that. Um, I, I will still give it to Russ right now, but a name that I'm not hearing talked about as much as I think it should be, and I think it's just simply because he's not a quarterback, is Derrick Henry. Mm. Um, Derrick Henry is doing some amazing things with the Titans. I mean, yes, they just lost to Cincinnati, but he is having a monster year. And I think one reason no one's really making a big deal of it is because it's kind of almost expected after the postseason performance last year, Uh, you know, and then the caveat with comes with the MVP conversation is running backs hardly ever win the MVP. The last one that did was Adrian Peterson in 2012. And then before that, it hadn't happened since 2005 and 2006. So quarterbacks get it 90% of the time and this year will probably be no different, but I, I think Derrick Henry deserves a little bit of uh, clout in this conversation. Well, I think that would be an interesting conversation to have in another episode of the podcast is just the bias towards quarterbacks in the, in the NFL discussion. Cause there's a lot of times that those quarterbacks could not succeed if they didn't have, you know, certain pieces around them to, Oh, make that work. I mean, um, mm-hmm. one that I thought I kind of should have gotten it one year was, which at least uh, he should have been recognized. And I believe he did get an award. I don't remember exactly, but it's Quinton Nelson for the Colts. Cause that man is an absolute, absolute beast. And he was letting, <laughs> yeah, he he's, he was letting 
um, Luck just sling that ball around with all sorts of protection for days. And I, I thought he should have gotten a lot more recognition, but I digress. An offensive lineman getting MVP would be too much, I think, for people. Just too much. Okay, well, I got a, I got a little fun fact for you. Okay. It has happened once. Yeah. Now, granted, it was the first season they ever handed out the MVP award. And 1954, uh, Lou Graza of the Cleveland Browns, he is listed as offensive tackle slash kicker. <laughs> so nice. technically it's happened, but you're right, Justin, there's an extreme bias toward quarterback when it comes to uh, the most valuable player award. Uh, we were just talking about how running backs seldom get it, but you guys want to know the last time someone who wasn't a quarterback or a running back got it was when uh, 1990 Jerry Rice got it. Mm. And that was the last time that anyone outside of uh, someone behind center got it. <laughs> so, Jeez. yeah, That's it's, it's pretty extreme. And so, Justin, that leads me to the question of all questions. Then who is your MVP candidate right now? The top of my leaderboard is Russell Wilson. I feel kind of bad saying that and agreeing with everybody, but right now he is the top. I will say, I will say, I feel like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend, Tom Brady, maybe should get some looks if, 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 if he continues to play at a high level and leads our team, you know, I don't even dare say it, but to that one game at the very end of the everything the promised land that just so happens to be right in tampa bay's back door i know if he leads this team in his first year there to that oh the home super bowl and the win i think it's got to go to tom brady assuming he keeps playing and we don't like for some reason go have leonard Fournette go christian mccaffrey for us yeah um but Right now, that is a big if and way down the line. And right now, Russell Wilson, I'd be hard-pressed to honestly argue against him. Mm-hmm. Well, if you because... look – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, because if you look at the evidence, he's just – he's there's a reason people are saying let Russ cook because he's just balling out this year. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've already stated my, my worries and my concerns about that on other podcasts, so I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, well, and if you – I mean, the MVP award is the most valuable player to a team, you know. Yeah. And I, I say this probably from a point of a little bit of bias, but I think there's been other years recently where Russ probably should have been considered more than he was because of what he did for the Seahawks. He, one year, accounted for, what, 91% – of our offensive production, an absolutely it's absurd number. Um, a number that quite frankly makes me mad because it should never be that high for one player. But yeah, if we're talking about the very definition of this award, I think you have to give it to Russ right now. But, you know, that's just me. We seem to be in agreement about this. I was, I was going to say, Jared, you're getting real fired up for, for a group of people that all agree with each other. Let me agree with you loudly. <laughs> I have things to say about this. I no. agree, but let's yell. Let's yell. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think, I think, uh, I think that's probably a general consensus amongst a lot of, a lot of NFL fans right now. So yeah, it's uh it's been an interesting conversation eight weeks through it should be for the next eight weeks and it'll be uh, fascinating to see who comes out with it. Indeed. 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 All right, gentlemen, any other little football things we want to touch on before we wrap up real quick? I think I'm good. Any shout outs we want to give? I actually don't have any this week, honestly. Oh, I got one. Oh boy. It's a, it's a little bit of a, uh, another Homer uh, shout out here. Shout out to, well, at least for me, a Homer um, to the Seattle Sounders for clinching another playoff spot still have never missed the postseason, the MLS postseason since becoming a franchise in 2009, we have made it every year 
and we're going to try to run it back and win another MLS Cup this year. Before you can even say it, Daniel, I will say it. I know that we lost to your Colorado Rapids the other night. You know, I'm not too worried about, you know, we, that's not something to worry too much about. The Rapids uh, either tweeted or posted on Facebook the other day that I saw they were happy to be back into eighth place, back onto the first page of the scoreboard or of the table. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't care to talk about Colorado sports right now. It's it's uh rough against all four all uh all fronts so yeah fair enough more, you don't need to worry about a fluke of a loss against the rapids from time to time <laughs> fair enough uh daniel do you got any shout outs you want to give um i guess just shout out you guys thanks for having me back on i appreciate it um it's always always fun to talk a little sport with you boys and listen to you guys do what you do so of course, man. We were yeah. Uh, thanks for being on again. We were happy to have you. Uh, I think we can let the fans know that um, there was a chance that Justin was not going to be able to join us tonight. He kind of mentioned it earlier because of his high school's uh, divisional volleyball tournament that's going on. He thought he was going to have to be there. So Daniel was going to be our stand-in expansion buddy. But we figured even though Justin was going to be back, we might as well have Daniel on anyway. We haven't had him on in a while. We haven't had a guest in a while. So we hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to him and to us. It's always a pleasure, Daniel. Indeed. Always is a pleasure talking with you boys, too. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us. Thank you all for listening, as you always do, or hopefully always do on a Thursday. Um, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We publish every Thursday morning and follow us on Twitter at the expansion BU one still waiting to hear from that New Zealand uh, listener. No pressure. We just would love to know who you are. <laughs> tweet us, please. Anything. Just tweet us anything. We'd love to know who you are. But anyway, that's going to about wrap it for us guys. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Daniel, for being on one more time. Um, we're hoping you're having an awesome week and never forget party like it's 1976.